Um, past couple of weeks, I've been just speaking on uh, the tithe and offering, the blessing of generosity in general. And this is going to be the, the final week um, that uh, I talk about this specifically. I mean, giving is always going to be a part of the awakening and a part of what we do. But uh, the first thing that we're always called to do is exactly what we just did, is to worship the Lord. If you ever don't know what to do, worship Jesus. <laughs> if you're like, I, I don't know what decision to make in, about this, worship Jesus. Like, God, my world's crumbling in around me, worship Jesus. God, you, I just got a promotion, worship Jesus. And that's, that's what you were made for. That's home base. And uh, anybody that sees Jesus truly, un, sees him for who he is, will, will worship him. That's what happened to the biggest terrorists to Christians in the, in the book of Acts that happened to Saul. He saw Jesus. The guy was murdering Christians, the, ling the ringleader. And he saw Jesus. And he turned and he became a powerful weapon in the kingdom of God just by his life that was submitted. He's, he said, I count everything but loss as loss for the sake of knowing Jesus Christ and him crucified and the power of his resurrection so Jesus we thank you thank you for your presence and so uh, the first week I talked about just the tithe and offering specifically what that what that really is and breaking it down for you and giving you uh, Old Testament and New Testament examples and and uh, scripture for that Last week, I talked about God that wants you to prosper. Um, there's not any, there's not poverty in heaven. Jesus said, you pray this way on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so when we get, as a, anybody that knows Christ, when they get to heaven, they're not going to be scrounging for like food. They're not going to be uh, worried about clothes or shelter, anything like that. And so part of our mission as, as Christians is to abolish poverty in the world. But you've got to be able to, we've got to prosper ourselves and we've got to steward those resources well. And uh, God blesses you to be a blessing and challenges you when you give. It's just like, I, see if you can outgive me. And so this is kind of what we're talking about this, uh, this Sunday is just there's a blessing mandate as a Christian to be a blessing in the earth. And it's, a lot of it will come about through our generosity, not only of our time, our energy, but also of our money. And so just to re review from two weeks ago and last week, what, you know, what is a tithe? The tithe is the first 10% or more of your income. You're welcome to give as much as you want to challenge God with. Because in Malachi 3, he said, test me with your tithe. 
See if I won't open up the floodgates of heaven. He said, test me. So you're like, if you want to like, all right, God, I've been given 10%. I wanna, I'm going to test you with, with 15. He's like, challenge accepted. And he likes that. He doesn't run out of stuff. He's always, when he gives 20 out of a, it's just like with Jesus, with the, the fishes and the loaves, it's just like, it's just, he doesn't run out of stuff. It just keeps reappearing. So he's, all, his, he's always got a full stock of inventory in heaven, even as he's dishing it out. And so that's, that's what tithing is. Your, what is your offering? You, it's what you give above your tithe. Okay, and so if you have, like, you have a heart for the poor, you know, actually, all of us as Christians, it's, this is, I won't go into this in detail, but it's very clear that God wants us all to give to the poor in some way, shape, or fashion. But if you have uh, a ministry that your heart really connects with, you know, whether it's um, foster care or whether it's adoption, orphans, uh, the poor and the homeless, or there's a ministry that you, that you really love, you know, that you want to support. You know, Jessica, we, over the years, we've supported ministries that have really blessed us. Um, so like Elijah House, we got a lot of inner healing through Elijah House. Before we were married and as we've been married and up to this day, it, it taught us principles and gave us wisdom for like how to live. But it, told, it, it taught us that, hey, you're acting this reason for a reason. I mean, you're acting this way for a reason. And uh, that nobody's, uh, you know, you see somebody acting like a jerk. Well, there's a reason why they're acting like a jerk. You see somebody acting very kindly. It's like there's a reason why they're acting very kindly. And that people have foundations that affect their life. And so we, we realized that. And because it was such a blessing and, and we got so much healing through that, and it actually helped us get to the place where we could get married. And uh, so we sewed into Elijah House for a number of years. Patricia King had come to Convergence Church many times, and she was just such a blessing and really was one of the pioneers of prophetic evangelism that I first saw. And when I saw her doing prophetic evangelism, where if, and if you don't know what that means, that's basically you hit the streets, you hit the marketplace, you hit the restaurants, and you, you ask God to give you a word, encouraging word, a prophetic word for somebody, words of knowledge, whatever it is. For, for them, and you, you're ministering outside of the four walls of the church. You're blessing people, calling out the treasure in them and who, how the, the way God sees them. And uh, I actually saw a video that was really cool on Facebook, and I re reposted it. So if you want to watch it, you can uh, go to my Facebook page or friend me or whatever. And, and, uh, but it's this guy who's a special education teacher. And the first 10 minutes of every day, he, he takes every one of his students, and he just, he spends like 30 to 45 seconds. He's like, hey, you are, you are smart, and I love that you work so hard, and I love the way you uh, share, and I love the way that you're always on task, and you're just an awesome student. Give me a five. And they're like, thank you, sir. And uh, they go down, and they just, you know, they're just sitting there like smiling, listening to this guy. He does it every day, and he's just seeing dramatic improvements in their behavior, dramatic improvements in their, in their grades. And it's just affected them because he's calling out the treasure in these students. And it's just, he just starts the day off that way. It's just, it's the foundation of the day. And so that's what pro really prophetic evangelism is, you know? And, um, 
But even if you just see something that's good about somebody, just call it out no matter what it is. Hey, you got a beautiful smile. Hey, just, you know, somebody at the cash register, it's Black Friday and they're smiling. Tell them, it's like, hey, you are doing amazing having a smile on your face right now. And so uh, just even that simple kind of encouragement can really affect people. Chris Ballatin said, if you're opposed to prosperity, you're not going to like heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. I, I mentioned that. There's a scripture, uh, Proverbs 22, 9. It says, whoever has a bountiful eye will be blessed. For he shares his bread with the poor. Now, this is talking about, this is uh, revealing a key about, about generosity. This scripture right here. It's basically saying, if you have a bountiful eye, you're going to be blessed and you're going to be generous. So the key is the way you see. How do you see situations? How do you see people? How do you see God? Okay. How do you see the father? Do you see him as a generous father? How do you see your money? Do you see it as yours or do you see it as as God's and you're just a steward? Are you living from an eternal perspective? Are you looking at maybe this gift, my generosity, could potentially affect this person for all of eternity? It could awaken their conscience, like it says in, in uh, Proverbs 25, when a generous man says when you're generous, it actually can awaken their conscience to the reality of God. So it's crucial that we renew our minds with the truth about generosity. And so that's why it's important that you like you have like a set of declarations about God's heart, about your generosity, about his plans to prosper you. And so this, these are just a, a couple down here that you can do. You can say, I'm blessed and rejoice in blessing others. I've, been, I've got a new declaration that I pronounce over myself. I'm the most blessed man in the world. And my reason for that is because I, I'm in Jesus Christ. I am in Christ, the most blessed man in the world. So everybody in this room that knows Jesus can declare that over their life. It's not, it's not just my declaration. I didn't get it first. All right? But that's, that's actually a true statement over every single person in Christ. I have the most favor in the world. I told a guy at the gym the other day. He was uh, uh, working out, and he was, um, you know, lots of cool tats, and he had a cool haircut, and just cool, like, glasses. This dude was like, very eccentric. And uh, I was like, Lord, and I just love those type of people. So I'm like, Lord, just give me a word for this guy. And uh, and the Lord just said, you know, tell him that he's my favorite. And um, so I went over there. I was like, hey, man, what's going on? I said, you, you've been working out here lately? He's like, yeah, I just moved from Charleston about a month ago. And I was like, what are you doing in town? He's like, I'm a cook at the preserve. I was like, oh, that's awesome, man. I was like, and just talked about cooking a little bit. And I said, but hey, I just wanted you to know that you're God's favorite. He's like, oh, thanks, man. He's like, who's? <laughs> I said, God, you're God's favorite. He's like, all right, cool, man. You know, and uh, you know that was my assignment that day. I'm not trying to convince him of anything else. 
I'm just telling them, it's like, dude, you're God's favorite. And then holy, you just release the Holy Ghost on them whenever you release the word of the Lord. And there's a Holy Ghost honing going on in that guy's life right now. But my assignment was to tell him you're God's favorite. And then that was it that day. Didn't have to, didn't have to take him down the Romans road or anything, even though there's nothing wrong with that. It's just that wasn't the assignment for that guy. So, second one, because I carry the DNA of my heavenly father and because he is a generous daddy, my DNA is infused with generosity. That's the truth. Now, this is coming from a guy who was known as the Sting in college. I've told you a few stories about the Sting. It was my alter ego in college. You know, I was working while I was in school. So, you, don't, you know, you're trying to pay rent and you're trying to, like, you know, I made spaghetti without meat and that kind of thing. You know? And so it's, it's like, well, I mean, when you're working out, you got to have protein, Kimberly. All right. So, and so, I, you know, I, I had spaghetti without meat and, you know, I've got bagels and, and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, one, we had a party one time. There's guys were eating my bagels and I got really mad at them for not asking eating my bagels. And I shamed them in front of the whole party. I called them out. I was like, hey, free bagels, guys. Look, these guys think it's free bagels. It's free food. You just walk in, and you walk into somebody's house you don't know, and you just start eating their food. Free bagels. And these guys are like, sorry, man. And I, like, snatched it out of their hand. They walked off. And my, my buddies, we would go to Taco Bell. I would buy a 79-cent fountain drink. You could get as many, as many refills as you wanted to. Endless supply of soda. I would get one, and my buddies would get the water glass for, for zero cents, and I paid 79 cents for my small soda cup. But Travis, let me get some soda, man. I would hold the glass while they drank it, and I would pull it away. They're like, dude, I didn't even get any. I was like, well, go buy yourself a soda cup. That's my 79 cents. Why are you, you mooching off my 79 cents? That's the way I, that's the way I saw things. There's limited supply. Even though there's an f- endless fountain drink, you know, over there. So the way you see things affects you. I mean, because that's what they're just like, dude, you can get as many refills as you want. I was like, I didn't care. I was the one that I was, I paid for that. I paid for that. And so this is, you know, that last d- declaration is my DNA is infused, infused with generosity. That's who Jesus is. He never worried. You know, he says, son of man doesn't have a place to lay his head. He didn't worry about it, though. I don't remember him even asking somebody to, he was like, hey, can you spare Fenske? That's five bucks in Chicago. And so, uh, am I right, Kimberly? Kimberly went to Northwestern. So in the world, four minus two equals two. In the kingdom, 4 minus 2 equals 20. God doesn't know how to add. He only knows how to multiply. That's the only math he knows in exponents. He knows that too. So seed for tomorrow. I want to talk about seed and bread a little bit. I talked about last week, but... Seed is for sowing and investing. And so 
Now, we've talked about like giving away, giving, giving, but I also want to hit on this for a little bit, is that you, some of the seed that God gives you is, for your, is to invest for yourself. And so, now, I'm, you know, we have people in this church that know, that have been educated on how to invest money and that kind of thing. And so, maybe you want to get with them, or maybe you want to just find somebody that knows how, that's had success handling money, and they've and learn some wisdom from them about investing. But investing is for tomorrow. Sowing is for eternity, okay? Proverbs chapter 11, verse 26 says, The people curse him who, land, who hold back grain, but a blessing is on the head of him who sells it. Now, the two verses before this, we're talking about giving away, giving away, giving away. And then it says the, there's a blessing when you sell your product. So it's like, hey, you're making a profit. So there's actually a blessing. Your business or what you do in the city is a blessing to others. And so, you know, you have uh, Mr. Dan over there. You know, he's got live wire. What he's doing is a blessing in the city. It helps the economy. It's blessing his family. What Jesse does in the city with Rad, it's blessing, it's blessing the city. It's helping the economy. And and even in Jeremiah chapter 29, it says, it's talking to the captives, of the, the Israelite captives that were in Babylon. And they're like, pray for the welfare of Babylon. Because in its welfare, you will find your welfare. So basically it's saying this, pray for the shalom of Babylon. That's the actual word, which means peace and prosperity. Because in its peace and prosperity, you will have peace and prosperity. And so we are called to be... Pray for the Athens to prosper. We're called to be a blessing in that city. And in Jeremiah 29, it says, build houses, plant vineyards, like bless the city. And so that's, that's part of what we're called to do. And then that's when the, the verse that we've all heard, Jeremiah 29, 11, or at least most of us, God has plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans for a future and a hope. It comes out of that context of like blessing the city. So blessing comes upon you when you sell your crop because you're contributing to your community. God considers that generosity. That's good to know. God wants you to invest in yourself. And so even if you're not making a lot of money right now, find something. If, you, if you're, it's, hey, I'm going to start a savings account. And you're like, all I can do is 5 or $10, $15 a month. Give something God will work with. Do five or $5 a month. Do $10 a month doesn't matter. It doesn't matter the size of the seed. It just matters like just be like give God something to work with. Give him. And what I mean by that is that take a faith step, like take an action step. All right. And watch God like pour water on that seed. Andy Stanley, he said, any fear associated with giving into God's kingdom is irrational. It's on par with the farmer who, out of fear of losing his seed, refuses to plant his field. Makes sense, right? Any fear associated with giving into God's kingdom is irrational. It's on par with the farmer who, out of fear of losing his seed, refuses to plant his field. So there is a cost to increase. Increase always comes at a price. When Jesus is Lord over your heart, the price that you pay is giving up what you can't keep. 
That's pretty, pretty good deal, actually. <laughs> hey, you can't take this to the grave with you. So why not just give it up right now? All right. You can't, when, and it's true of our lives. It's true of our time, our energy, our resources. You, when you give up what you can't keep, you're blessed. <laughs> That's something to laugh about right there. When Jesus blesses my labor and he is Lord over my heart, all blessing that God gives me actually endears my heart to God even more when he's Lord. But when Jesus is not Lord over my heart, the price of increase is sorrow. You know, I've told you all last week about me and Jessica chasing after a house in Fort Worth that had become an idol in our heart. Even unbeknownst to us, we just thought that we we're taking the next step of being a grown-up. And uh, we got in a house that was amazing. We love that. Lots of good memories in the house. But... All said and done, we, we left with $17,000 of debt, credit card debt, because we uh, couldn't afford the payment on the house, and we had a $2,000 difference occur. When we bought the house, um, the, after six months, the land tax went up $300 a month on the payment, monthly payment. One of my jobs was taken away, and then my other job, the salary reduced. And so it was a major, like, difference that occurred within six months of being in that house. And so, but God, he, we talked about this, and this is uh, in Ezekiel, where is it at? Uh, 14.4, I want to say, but God said, because he was talking about the priests, he said, they set up an idol in their hearts. Therefore, I will answer them according to their idol. Now, God had actually spoken to us about our house. Because we were, we were praying about it. We were, we were seeking the Lord. And, and like the thing about the Lord is he's so gracious in this whole process. But the two years we're in that house were like extremely difficult financially. And it was because we had like, we have to have this house. We can't do, we have to have this house. It was like. God, we want a house. Give us a house. And so we were praying to God about it. And God was like, probably saying, you know, that's not such a great idea. Just like the Israelites said, we want a king. Give us a king. Every other nation has kings. Well, we were doing that. We're like, God, all of our friends have houses. Will you give us a house? We were, we were talking to God about it. And so, and this isn't anything about against buying houses. This is, I'm just saying, whatever it is in your heart. And so we were looking at houses, and I was driving home from work one day, and the Lord said, you're going to have your house in three days. Went home that night. We were watching American Idol at the time, and uh, Ron Seacrest was like, we got three contestants, three songs, three nights. I was like, three days. God said three days. Three confirmation, you know, whatever. And so... Uh, Sure enough, that was on a Tuesday, Friday, our agent calls like, you ready to put a contract on a house? It just came open. Like, the contract that was on our house previously by, from other, other people had fallen through, and the door opened. It was just like God said, you're going to have your house in three days. Why was he answering us? 
Why was he speaking to me prophetically about my house? You know what it says about in Ezekiel 14? It says, when you, he says, I'll answer you according to the idol so that your hearts will turn back to me. So we, we get the house. And it's a, we love that house. But we, we had to replace the uh, air conditioning unit. It was just, man, it was a money pit. And it was mainly just because we weren't ready to be in a house. We come back to Georgia. They're like, God, we ain't using credit cards. We ain't, like, we will live in a tin shack before we, <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, we, it was, that idol had died because it was, we had, God turned our hearts back to him through the pain of serving that idol. Just like Ezekiel 14 said. And so what had happened in this instance was we had increase. We got a, a house that was beautiful. This is my mother-in-law right here. This is Jessica's mom. Wave your hand, Miss Cindy. She's awesome. And, but uh, she went to our house many times up in Fort Worth. It was a great house. And, uh, but... There was a lot of sorrow attached to trying to make house payments and keep the house up and all that kind of stuff. And it's because it wasn't the Lord's timing. It was Travis and Jessica's timing. And so when Jesus is not Lord and increase comes from my labor, it pulls me away from God and sorrow is added to it. So blessing through labor. All work is supposed to be worship. I want to talk about just working for a little bit. <laughs> I'm thankful at, my, you know, at the time I wasn't thankful for this, but I'm so thankful that my dad used to wake me up on Saturday mornings at 7 a.m. to do chores in the yard. And there was no, I did not know when it was going to end. And as I can attest to you, my son likes to know when things are going to end. He's like, Dad, how long is this going to take? I don't know. Like 30 minutes? I don't know, son. So an hour? Josiah just said, I don't know. And, you know, it's just like, and so as a, as a kid, you're like, man, when can I get back to my games? When I get back to playing? I want to shoot some basketball today, whatever. But part of it was just like, you know what? I'm going to get out here. I'm going to do stuff I don't like to do. And it's going to build this thing in me that helps me persevere as an adult. That's why with my kids, I try to get them. I was like, listen, I don't care if you like doing this. There's going to be lots of stuff in life you don't like doing. So you might as well get over it right now and just go ahead and do this and just build in a perseverance in you. Because <laughs> that's what that, that, what, what that did, uh, as well as other things that, you know, the way I grew up helped build in me. But all work is supposed to be worship. Adam and Eve lived sinless before the presence of God. And in that sinless environment, uninhibited intimacy with God, God gave them work to do. All right? He told them, extend the garden out into the world. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 10 the first part of this verse says, whatever your hand finds to do, 
Do it with all your might. Okay? Colossians chapter 3, verse 23 says, Whatever you do, do your work heartily. It's basically echoing Ecclesiastes 9.10. And then it adds this. And do it as for the Lord rather than for men. Maybe you got a crummy boss. You're like, well, I got, there's one more boss above you. His name's Jesus. Maybe you're a CEO. I can't think of a clever acronym for Jesus with KEO, King Executive O. But whatever you do, do it, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men. So it doesn't mean you take abuse or anything like that. It just means that, you know what, I'm working for, there's somebody with a higher pay grade than you, buddy. I'm working for him. He's the one I want to honor with my work. Okay. So when we give what we get, what we do as unto the Lord, it attracts the presence of the Lord. So it could just be as simple as like, God, I'll give you my work today. Like, I welcome you into my work. And when you, when you do that and you have a, a mindfulness of the presence of the Lord, it's going to attract the presence of the Lord. And people may come into your office. People may come into your, your presence and experience the presence of God when you do that. So we need anointed men and women on the seven mountains of our culture, okay? And so... The imagery of Joel, I'll talk about seven mountains of culture in just a second. The imagery of Joel, chapter 3, verse 10, of beating plows in the swords, speaks of how our work can be used as a weapon for the advancement of the kingdom of God. You beat the swords, or you beat your plows into swords. You're beating an instrument of work into an instrument of war. And so that's the way. You're, you're, don't look at your job as just like, it's just paying the bills. No, you're advancing the kingdom if you believe you are, okay? Your work, no matter what it is, I don't care if you, if, even if you're not in contact with one person during the day in your work, you're, you can advance the kingdom of God. Isaiah 9 says that there is no end to the increase of, of his government. And Colossians 1, it says the gospel increases every day. So when you attach your faith to that, it will. It will happen when you believe it. So the seven mountains, we need people. It's, we don't need, just need uh, preachers and ministers and all that kind of stuff. It's like, I, to me, I'm like, the people in the marketplace are shaping truly the culture. They're shaping decisions that are being made over nations. And so there's seven mountains that, you know, we, wanna, we want people that love Jesus to be on the one is arts and entertainment. The second one is in, the, in business. Third is in education. Four is in the family. Five, government. Six is the media. And seven, religion. Okay? That's a whole, that's like another sermon series. So, but just to give you a little info. So we want to work with excellence. Whatever God has released to your care, do it with excellence. Okay, whatever God has released to your care, do it with excellence. So if you want to change the world, start by making your bed. And what I'm saying about that is that 
take care of what you can take care of right now. Like try to do something well right now with what you have. That's, that's the point of that statement. And so I, uh, you know, if we're talking about making up beds, I didn't, I never made up my bed until I married Jessica. And now when she's gone, I make, I make up the bed because I'm like, it just feels nice. You know, it just is like, I want to get into that bed. The other bed, the bed, the, the beds that I had before Jessica came around, they hadn't, the sheets hadn't been washed. I mean, this is going to gross you out. Jessica's probably going to be like, I can't believe you told this story. But when I was lifeguarding at Hilton Head Island, yeah, this is bachelor time. This is bachelor time. And so we would, I had, first of all, this, the bed I had literally just had springs in it. There was no cushion. Like, you could see the spring rings in the mattress. And, uh, and so, you know, first of all, I was like, I'm not really trying to take care of this mattress that much, you know, and, uh, I put my sheets on there, had these twin sheets on there. They were like a cream color. All right. You're, you're lifeguarding on the beach. You're sweating. There's sand, there's dirt. And then we would go play basketball at night and, and then you're a Hilton head. You just sweat the moment you walk out the door during the summer. So uh, by the end of the summer, my bed looked like a uh, homicide murder scene. There was an image of a man <laughs> on the bed sheets. Except it was back dirt. I had not washed my sheets for 10 weeks. I told Jessica that. She's like, that is disgusting. I was like, I know. I mean, I'm 21. I was 21. <laughs> no, you know, I didn't have, there wasn't anybody like you in my life. So I just turned it into a compliment. I was like, baby, you were in my life. So sometimes we think so impractically that we're doing no good in the spheres of influence we have. So sometimes we're like, I can't wait to get to China to make a difference. And then, and then, but like, you're totally ignoring your sphere of influence currently. And you're not doing things with excellence. You're not being a person of your word in your spheres of influence. And, but you're, it's just like, you got this dream out here that man, it's just one day it's gonna be better when I'm in that dream. Instead of like, hey, Maybe God's testing you to get that dream right now. If you steward what you have right now, well. So you need, you, we got to be faithful with what we have right now. We need to treat what we do, no matter what it is, like it's important. Because it is to the Lord. And do it as unto him. So maybe it's like, it could be something like, Maybe your, your job doesn't require you to iron your shirt, but you're like, I'm going to start ironing my shirt. I don't know. I'm just throwing stuff out there. But it's like, how can you step up the excellence in what you do? And that's, you know, true for everybody. We can always um, be a little more excellent. And so another way to look at it is if you have $20 to buy a shirt, buy the best $20 shirt you, have, you can get. 
buy a tri-blend. I'm just teasing it, but if you have $20 to buy a shirt, buy the best $20 shirt you can get, okay? So God is an extravagant God, but he also hates waste. And so what I mean, and I think the better way to maybe even describe that is God hates flippancy. He's just uh, a disrespect for like, for things, a disrespect for taking care of things. And, um, and, and, that tor- and that type of thing, but he's an extravagant God. He likes to give more than enough. He also doesn't like waste. Okay, so be, he likes prudency. He likes efficiency as well. Proverbs 10.4 says, Poor is he who works with a negligent hand, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. Diligence is uh, hard work over time. That's the most simple definition of diligence, hard work over time. The diligent hand makes one rich, but poor is he who works with a negligent hand. There's, there's all kinds of proverbs about the sloth of the lazy man. It says the, sloth, the lazy man puts his hand in the bowl of food and does not bring it to his mouth. And what that is saying is that there is provision right there. Provision was, is before that man. All he's got to do is a little bit, of, just a little bit of work to bring it to his mouth. It says also the, the sloth or the lazy man says there's a line in the streets and turns over on his bed. So the, the, the poor man, the lazy man, the, neg- the slothful man makes excuses about why he can't do something. That's a, that's a victim statement. There's a, there's a line in the streets. Go kill the line. You know? Go kill the line. And get up out there. And not just roll over on your bed. And so that's part of God prospering you is not just being generous, but like, Lord, I'm going to work. Patricia King, I talked about her earlier, her and her husband, um, they had gone, they were, her husband somehow lost his job and he was looking for jobs, couldn't, was just having a hard, such a hard time finding a job. But what he would do in the meantime, he just, they went, he went around his neighborhood and he'd just knock on people's doors like, hey, do you is there any handyman work that you need done? Like, no, we're good. Just thanks, though, for asking. Next house. Hey, is there any odd jobs you need done or anything like that? Like, yeah, I mean, I could. I need to clean out the gutters, and it's like, how, you know, I could give you twenty dollars to clean out the gutters. Like, I'll, I'll do it. Cleans out the gutters, leaves twenty bucks. And it's not much. But what the the key was is he did what he could do. And that's what. That's what I'm talking about. You do what you can do. And you do it, and you do it with excellence. And, you, and he's trusting God to take his action, his faith action, and multiply it, to open up a door to provide for him. And so uh, I want to give a, a couple of attaboys to some guys in our church. You know, Daniel Love, he works, he's got a family now, he's got, Lacey and Kezia, but he works two jobs, and one of them is not very convenient. You know, it's like early in the morning delivering coffee. Um, Jesse, I don't think he's doing it now, but before we hired him, 
He was running rad. He was running uh, Judah Press. But then a few days of the week, he would do landscaping just to make some extra money. And I told him, I was like, Jesse, I love that. I love that, man. You got, you got like a day to work, and you're, try- and you're like being faithful with that time. You know, Judge Johnson, Judge is trying to take these really hard, uh, I think it's called a uh, CFA, Chief Financial Analyst test, but it's like they, they offer these tests only once a year. Typically, you fail it twice before you pass it, and then there's three tests. So it t- it's like a six-year process. So Judge has been studying for this CFA test while he's been working full-time. He comes home at night, studies, and he's just he's sowing and he's plowing for tomorrow, all right? And so this is what I'm talking about. That's, that's the diligent hand. That's the diligent hand. And so uh, and Big Rube's one of the more diligent guys that I've ever met, too, back there. So Psalm 67 says, God be gracious to us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us. Selah. That means meditate on that. that. That your way may be known on the earth and your salvation among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you will judge the peoples with uprightness and guide the nations of the earth. Selah. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its produce, God. The earth has yielded its produce. God, our God, blesses us. God blesses us that all the ends of the earth may fear him. God blesses us that all the ends of the earth may fear him. So God wants to destroy anxiousness and fear as it pertains to money. Because either one of those in your life, you're not going to be fruitful because what anxiety and fear do is it destroys creativity, and creativity is one of God's favorite avenues to create prosperity. I mean, look at this world right now. It's like who, who's coming out with an app that can make something, that can like uh, streamline something, make something more efficient, or who's coming out with a product that it's this constant like creativity, 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 and that's the and that's the most prosperous uh, part of the business world is if is this, and it's mostly in the technology world. It's because these guys are creating stuff all the time. These women are creating stuff all the time, and so but anxiousness and fear destroy creativity. You can't see outside. You're like. I'm gonna, I don't have enough money. Uh, and you can't just be free to dream and explore. So creativity actually attracts income. They're the guys that built the articles of the, of the tabernacle said that there was a spirit of wisdom on them. And now wisdom, it wasn't that people weren't coming to these guys to get like counseling advice. These were artists. These guys were, they were masons. They were uh, metal workers. They were, you know, made the curtains. 
They made the stone, the metal, the, the woodworkers. And it says that God poured out a spirit of wisdom on them and, the, and to do these things with excellence. And so what was excellent was these guys were like, God says, this is what I want it to look like. And these guys had to make it happen. And so it took like a vision. It took a dream. It took a be able to, the ability to see something there before it happened. And that's what part of the spirit of wisdom is. It's that creativity thing that is part of God. Think about God. He's every day he's creating something. There's, there's a baby being born in Athens probably within five minutes of right now. He, he just created a baby. There's animals. There's people. There's nature. It's like he is creating. The universe currently as we know it is expanding because there's no end to the increase of his government. So he is a creative God. You have his DNA. You are born to be creative. Now, I would say that I am not, I've, I've stopped saying this over myself, actually. It used to be like, I'm not creative because I couldn't draw. But then I started thinking, I was like, no, I am creative. It looks different. I have dreams. I have visions. I follow God in a way that's unique to, to my story. I am creative. I have ideas. Like, I can problem solve. You know, would I make a good secretary for you? Probably not. But I can problem solve. So, but if I had to, if that was the only job open... I'd be your secretary. And Holy Spirit's a really good secretary. He can do anything he wants. Patricia King was not good at writing. God told her to write a book. And she's like, well, Holy Spirit, you wrote the Bible. So write this book. <laughs> and she's like a best-selling author. So by keeping me anxious and fearful, I'm alive but not functioning. I use my energy for surviving rather than for advancement. So when that's what, that's what happens when creativity gets shut down. You're trying to survive, and you're, just, you're not advancing when you do that. So that's why anxiousness and fear got to go. When we're anxious and fearful, we can't hear what he's saying. John Paul Jackson said, peace is the potting soil for revelation. When you're anxious and fearful, all you're hearing, typically, and this is something Steve Fish told me if, years ago, he says, typically the loudest voice is not the Lord. <laughs> You're like, God, do I go to UGA or Georgia College? If you hear the one saying, Georgia College! Georgia College! All your friends are down there! You know, you're just like, all right, Lord, uh, I need to really know. <laughs> He's like, God, do I, do I buy this? Or do I not? Buy it right now. Buy it. Buy it. It's not going to be there. It's not going to be there. That's definitely the voice of fear. When it's like, you're not going to have anything if you don't get it right now. That's why, like, that's why companies use that, that ploy. It's just like, listen, it's only today you can get this deal. I'm like, well, I'm not ready. Well, this deal won't be here tomorrow. 
that's fine. God's my provider, not the $20 off. So when we're anxious and fearful, we can't hear what he's saying. Just like in Elijah, Elijah was that still, it wasn't the thunder, it wasn't the earthquake, it was the still small voice. So just take time to come to peace. That's why, and sometimes if you are in that anxious place, start worshiping. Because what that does is it makes your soul just start settling you down. Because you get your eyes on Jesus. And then that peace that passes understanding can come on you, then you can, then you can hear. It's just a little tidbit. So we cannot fill the, fulfill the Great Commission of Matthew 28 without prosperity, where it says to disciple all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So we want our lives to illustrate the blessing of the Lord so people can see the nature of the Father. We want, us, we, we want our lives to be this living example of generosity because we're like, we're rep, we, we do represent the Father. We do represent Jesus. And so we want to represent him well. In the Ten Commandments, it says don't take the Lord's name in vain. That it's more accurately translated, represent the Lord accurately. Represent him well. Okay? Now, you're going to blow it sometimes. And he knows that. That's why Jesus came. <laughs> but I've known people who have asked for forgiveness from people who, from people who weren't Christians when they messed up myself included in, in this group where I've hurt somebody that wasn't a Christian. I just, I didn't try to act like I had it all together. I just was like, listen, will you forgive me? Because what, what I did was wrong. And that spoke to them more than trying to be like, well, I'm defending myself or whatever it was. And so that, that you cannot lose with humility. The world wants you to think you can, but you can't. Hosea chapter 3 verse 5 says, Afterward the sons of Israel will return and seek the Lord their God and David their king, and they will come trembling to the Lord and to his goodness in the last days. So this is talking about like the goodness of God will actually cause people to fear him. Did you know that? God doesn't just have to scare the P. Rooney out of people. He can just be like, wow, that's so good. He must be God. Ah. When you, when, when you find somebody who is as good as Jesus, you're going to be like, I want to serve you. You are good. The earth is longing for a good king. And so when people meet him, they're just like, the kindness of God brings us to repentance. Jeremiah 33 verse 9 says, It will be to me a name of joy, praise, and glory before all the nations of the earth which will hear of all the good that I do for them, talking about Israel, and they will fear and tremble because of all the good and all the peace that I make for it. When people see you prospering, it's a testimony to the goodness of God. And it will make people be like, what do you have? There's something different about your life. Your prosperity will bring people to repentance because you're a vessel of God's goodness. So God blesses us that the earth may fear him. And so we need to embrace blessing responsibly. So when you, when you catch sight of his eyes, the light of his face, like Psalm 67 talks about, there's no blessing that can distract you from him. 
Creation lives under the weight of restriction due to sin. Okay, sin restricts things. The weight is taken off when believers step into the identities of sons and daughters. This is the blessing mandate. Romans 8 says, all creation is longing for the revealing of the sons of God. It's, it's waiting for us to step into everything Jesus has purchased for us. So, Almalonga, Guatemala. This was a small city in Guatemala of about 20,000 people. And they had uh, an epidemic of alcoholism, epidemic of brokenness in families. And revival, God, they had a praying remnant of people there that prayed, for, that prayed and uh, revival hit their town. 90% of the city became born again. But what was interesting, what started happening was, you know, in Second uh, Chronicles seven fourteen, it says, if my people will hum themselves and pray, I will come and I will heal their land. You know, that's like literal. He will heal their land. And so this happened in Guatemala. Up until that point, they had below average harvest for it was they live in a it's in a valley. So it's great conditions for for raising fruits and vegetables. But they had below average harvest. They, they could only support themselves as a city, and it was barely, barely able to do that. When revival hit, they were getting seven harvests a year. Seven harvests a year, and their fruit was ginormous. They had, like, carrots as big around as my leg. They had all kinds of fruits and vegetables, and they just, you know, watermelons, like two, two men have to hold this watermelon. And they're getting seven harvests of that. And they began exporting all over the world. And the city started prospering. And so that's what a lot of what revival looks like. When God comes and pours out a spirit and people submit to his lordship, then he brings prosperity. He heals the land. That's like redeemed land. And so they had, and seven, by the way, in the Bible is the number of perfection. I just thought it was interesting that that's the number of harvests that they got a year. So they were getting seven harvests a year. They have a dry season in Almanga. Everywhere around them turns brown except their city. It stays green year-round. They, and they have an underground river that supports them. It just, it's, it's like right under their, their city. And it's only like under their city. <laughs> and so that's why it's green year-round, is they just have this water anytime they need it. The last jail in that city shut down in 1989. They don't have any crime. There's nobody in jail. The jail is used as a museum and as like a community center. That's, that's heaven on earth. You know what I'm talking about? Somebody give me an amen on that one. So revival looks like prosperity and economies prospering. I was driving through on the way through Athens here this morning. I was just like, God, you know, I saw something that was just like, man, that looks like that's not going to make it. It was like a business. I was like, God, bless that business. Bless those owners. 
Because I, wanna, I want Athens to do well. I want people to do well in this city. Poverty is not on heaven's agenda. There's no poverty in heaven. I'm not going to read through this. If you want to, Deuteronomy 28, it talks about all the blessings for the, of those who believe in the Lord. Okay? So I want us to stand up. We're going to, uh, this is an offering declaration. Um, your declarations are powerful. Your words are powerful. Your words in the tongue is, is the power of life and death, is what the Bible says. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can never hurt me. That is not true. I've never gotten beaten with a club. With a belt. I did get, did get it one with a belt. But, uh, but, you know, some people's words have hurt me a lot more than any uh, club or anything like that. And so, because people's words are powerful. Your words are powerful. And that's why even Jesus uh, or Paul, one of those guys, <laughs> said don't have, watch your words. You don't need to have an idle word, okay? Your words need to have purpose behind them. So this is why we're intentional with the declarations of our offering. So let's read this together. As we receive today's offering, we are believing you for heaven opened, earth invaded, storehouses unlocked, and miracles created. Dreams and visions, angelic visitations, declarations, impartation, and divine manifestations. Anointings, giftings, calls, positions, and promotions provisions and resources to go to the nations souls and more souls from every generation saved and set free carrying kingdom revelation thank you father that as i join my value system to yours you will shower favor blessings and increase upon me so that i have more than enough to co-labor with heaven and see jesus get his full reward hallelujah amen so, Father, we just thank you for being so good to us, Lord, and we want to have open hands like you have, and we want to live from heaven's perspective, from an eternal perspective, that, Lord, we have more than enough. Lord, I want us, Father, I just believe that you want us to be on a generosity rampage. Lord, so, Lord, we just declare we are, on, as a community, personally, we are on a generosity rampage. Lord, that we carry your DNA. You're a good father. You're an abundant father. You're an extravagant father. And so we are, we are extravagant people. We are generous people as a result. So, Lord, we love you. We bless you. And we just give you praise this morning. And thank you for being a good father. So, <clears throat> if uh, you haven't been here the past few weeks, we have a new way to give. This is the digital age. We still, if you still give cash or check, we have the tithe box in the back. But the, there's an app called Tithely. You can download the app and find our church under there. The directions are really easy and f- to follow. Or you can actually text give to this number that's on the screen. And so when you text that number, it, it goes to our account. It doesn't go to a person. Nobody's getting your information or anything like that other than uh, the software and the awakening. And so if you put that number in your contact book, 
and you put tithely, you can type in tithely like you're about to text a friend. And from after you get that initial registration information, which is just your name, whatever card you're going to use in like an email, then when you text that number, you can just put a dollar amount, $50, $100, whatever, send it, and it goes to the Awakening account, okay? So it's really easy, and that's all. You only have to register one time, or you can just download the app and give it that way. But we know that uh, people don't really carry cash or checks that much anymore, and so we want to make it easy uh, as possible for you to give because this is a part of our worship to the Lord. This is a way of saying, hey, God, you know what? You're the one that provides for me and sustains me, and I just I trust you with that. So here's, here's the money you gave me. <laughs> it's like uh, I, give my, I give my kids money to buy me a birthday present. They're like, Dad, you like what? Yeah, look what I got you. I was like, yeah, that's awesome. That's how giving is to the Lord. Here, son, here's $20. Daddy, here, look. Hey, look what I got you. That is amazing. Wow. That's how the Father thinks about us when we, when we give tithes and offerings. So, um, Blake, if you'll come on up here, ma'am. And I've got to run out of here of uh, officiating Cannon's wedding. But uh, Jesse's going to close up for us after. So we're going to worship. And during this time... You can download the app or give or text your amount to that number. And we also have our ministry team over there, Kimberly, leading the way against the wall. If you need prayer for anything else, physical healing, uh, any other type of prayer, you need somebody to agree with you, they'll be happy to do that. So bless you guys. We love you.